All right, welcome to the conversation. We got a great guest for you guys. Um, one of the heroes of the revolution. <laughs> so uh, Representative Jamal Bowman is uh, joining us. Uh, uh, Jamal was one of the six brave uh, legislators that voted no on the infrastructure bill. He's gonna uh, explain to us why he voted no, uh, and then I'm gonna explain to you why it was brave. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Representative Bowman, great to have you back on. What's up, brother? How you doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. It's always good to call you Representative Bowman. All right, so uh, tell us why you voted no on the infrastructure bill. Because for months, uh, we all were saying that both bills needed to pass the House together. Um, and when I say we, it wasn't just the squad, it wasn't just the Progressive Caucus, it was Speaker Pelosi, it was President Biden, the entire the majority of the Democratic caucus was on board with passing both bills together. And at the last minute, you know, in the 11th hour, you know, six of my colleagues decided they didn't want to vote on the Build Back Better Act because it didn't have a CBO score. You know, forget the fact that the BIF has a CBO score that adds to the deficit. Forget the fact that we pass hundreds of bills without a CBO score out of the house. This last minute sort of pivot from my colleagues was was unacceptable and it completely pissed not just me off and, and, and the squad, but many of others in the party. Um, so I, you know, one, I wanted to keep my word to uh, the district, the people in my district who we've been talking to about this for months. Um, but two, you know, governing in this way, in my opinion, it is it is not done in good faith, and 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 it, and it's unacceptable uh, to the American people. And three, you know, what's going to happen with the Build Back Better Act now, right? So. We need to make sure there's an accountability component to this. The Build Back Better Act has already been gutted from 6 trillion to 3.5 trillion to 1.75 trillion. And every day you see in the news, you know, that Senator Manchin and others want to cut it more. And then finally, you know, and I'm learning this because I'm a freshman. To see how special interests wield power in Congress, it blows you away. And this is just another example of, of, of lobbyists, you know, for big farmer and big, you know, and fossil fuel companies, etc. Uh, pretty much control how we do business. So that no vote was 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 it was all of that wrapped into wrapped into one. Yeah, so that opens up a lot of questions. And you know, I, I said here on the beginning, uh, but if you're new to this, you might be confused, but wait a minute, Jamal Bowman and, and the other five that voted no were literally the ones, only ones who kept their promise. Uh, the original promise was that, uh, that you were not going to vote in the House for the infrastructure bill until the Senate voted for Build Back Better, right? Uh, and then it got moved to, well, the House is gonna vote together. Then it got moved to, no, the House is not even gonna vote together. You're gonna have to pass the infrastructure bill first. And then maybe on November 15th, and now it looks like probably not on November 15th, they would vote on Build Back Better. Um, so uh, first question that jumps out to non-Washington people is, you were the only ones who did what you said you were gonna do. Uh, is that how it was portrayed in the mainstream media? 
You know, I don't know. You know, I've stopped watching uh, mainstream media. <laughs> I know I'm on it a lot, but I don't watch it that much just because I'm very disturbed by the framing of a lot of this stuff. You know, things are framed uh, to to keep people sort of uh, thinking in alignment with what the corporate media and corporations and special interests want you to think. Um, it's not. It's not people first. It's not grassroots driven. It's just the framing is always off. So I, I didn't, I didn't really uh, watch much mainstream media. But the backlash from the district initially was based on the framing from the mainstream media. Like people thought I voted against the whole bill. Like they thought I was voting against childcare and lowering prescription drug costs. They did, they weren't clear on the six Democrats that went rogue. Um, they thought I was protesting mansion uh, and cinema. Um, you know, we we were vilified. We being a squad uh, for for not you know toting a party line, if you will. But no one vilified or paid attention to the six uh, who who pivoted. You know, in, in the last minute. So so yeah, it was it, it. You know, so I had to then be on on the offensive and really just. Engage my district. We did a town hall. We we did a lot of the local media. I just went to a two two events today. I got another one after this. Just engage in conversation around, you know, why and I, and we wrote a statement and I did a direct to camera. Uh, you know why why it was a no vote, uh, what it means, and what we're still fighting for going forward. Yeah. So look, there's just a matter of fact, right? Uh, the, and the fact is. Uh, that progressives wanted more, like paid family leave and lower drug prices. That's in Build Back Better. Uh, you didn't want less, right? And so the fight is over whether you guys are going to be able to get more for your voters, uh, or if the corporate Democrats are going to win and get less for the voters. Uh, and, but it and seems more, to and real quick and real quick and more with a focus on equity, right? Because usually when we pass these huge bills, equity is not a part of it. So you have Biff. Where 90% of jobs go to white men, and then you have Build Back Better, where we're focused on women, people of color, children, seniors, immigrants, and those most vulnerable. So the equity focus is another big piece. There was no equity as part of the New Deal, as we know. I personally do not want to repeat that again with this particular bill. Right, and so the reason you're getting blowback from your constituents is because that is not at all how the media portrayed it. They they didn't say, hey, those six were principled. They're the only ones who kept their promise, and that's a fact. That's a fact. Those six were the ones who wanted the most for their voters, not the least. That's a fact. They just didn't say that. So you got to deal with blowback because of how the media portrayed it, which then leads to the question of Nancy Pelosi claimed that she was. With you guys all along, oh my God, I want those progressive provisions. I, you know, I have the same interests as you guys do. And at the end, she could have made the moderates vote. No, but she chose not to. She chose to make you guys vote no based on the timing of the bills. That was a very clear, stark choice that she made. When she made that choice, didn't she, in essence, throw you guys under the bus? Yeah, I think that's one way to put it. You know, I. I, I don't really get into all that, right? I, I know, like, you know, it, it just, you know, that day was a crazy day. You know, we um, we were on pace to vote for both. All of a sudden, those six reneged. 
And then there was meeting after meeting with the Congressional Black Caucus for me, Congressional Progressive Caucus, then Biden calls and and pretty much you know uh, strongly encourages us to um to vote for the bill. Uh, and then you know the speaker along with the majority whip and the leader call a press conference. And this I'm watching this press conference and in the press conference they're celebrating. Well, the the, the body language and the tone was was as if. They already knew they had the votes to pass it. And I'm watching this like, okay, the CPC is still deliberating. I know where I stand. Um, they, they must have Republican votes. Like that, that was my thinking, right? Yep. So then we get then then it's full steam ahead. Like after the president got the CPC, you know, encouraged the CBC, CPC, and that decision was made, then it was full speed ahead to the vote. So so yeah, I mean, quite honestly, Chank, it, it's this has happened with other things, right? This this last minute push to vote on something that we don't get a chance to socialize in our district, explain to our district, engage with our district, and then you got this last minute vote, and then whether it's yay or nay, now you got to go back to the district and and, and play cleanup, which I don't mind doing because it gives me the chance to kind of bring the district into the process. And I also want to say that because of what we've done in terms of messaging this week, I got so much love and support from the district today. So that was that was pretty powerful. Right. But for, for those of us on the outside, all this seems fairly routine. Like we, we thought Pelosi had Republican votes when she made promises that it would pass, honestly, months ago. And and we knew that they would pressure you guys and not the conservative Democrats. Uh, we knew it. The, they they would say they were running out of time. We made all those predictions on air because if you look at it from the outside, it's super obvious how they they run this well, game here on was, progressives. Here was, other, here was the other one. Um, if we don't get this, we don't get anything. The yeah. president's going to kill the whole bill. They're going to kill both bills, and I'm like, they're not going to kill both bills. Why? How is that in the president's interest to kill both bills? It makes but no the, sense. That was used like that was used by the highest levels of government, Chank, to get us to vote a certain way. I mean, the very highest was using this, saying that, that both bills are gonna die. No, no, they're not. Like there's everybody wants the biff for obvious reasons. Right. It's not gonna die. So anyway, yeah. You no, know, Jamal, that's exactly right. And exactly what I wanted to ask you about. Because they gotta tell you guys something. Because to non-Washington people, they think we all look at it and go, why wouldn't they just keep their promise? Of course, they're going to keep their promise, and because otherwise they're going to lose all leverage, right? That's the number one thing. Otherwise, you can't get those provisions and build back better, right? So they must have told you guys things to try to get you to vote for the bill. You ultimately were strong and said, no, we're going to keep our promise. But what did they say? Did they say like that Biden is going to make sure that the House version passes that? Were there specific provisions they said are going to be in the House version? And then did they make any promise that the House version would pass the Senate? No promise that the House version would pass the Senate. The letter that the six colleagues, I don't know if all six signed it, but the statement that they made about voting on it, whether the CBO score is good or not, the week of the 15th, was as far as we got in terms of confirmation on the House side. 
the president did say like, you know, we're gonna get it done on the house side. He didn't give a date or anything. Oh No, we the week of the 15th was the day. Um, no Senate promises. And uh, yeah, it was just it was it was like, you know, the the there's a scarcity mindset um, in America and it plays out in Washington. And it's this mindset that it's 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 all or nothing or something or nothing. It's winners and losers, it's weak and strong. They use these binaries, these extreme binaries to to back you into the cor- a corner and create this 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 fear and anxiety. And and they put a clock on it. So it's like, and now you got four minutes to make this decision, or three minutes, or two minutes. Like we were literally in this room with this happening and some of us just walked out like we just left the room cuz it was just a chaotic scene and 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 we just removed ourselves from that and 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 stuck with our principles for our district you know now there's a conspiracy theory that that Nancy and by the way this does happen in politics sometimes so i should just say it's a theory to be fair um that that Nancy Pelosi released your votes that she said to came to you guys and said I already have enough Republicans, so you can vote no. Uh, and uh, and that she was okay and happy with you voting no, given that she had the Republicans, and that's the only reason you guys voted no. Yeah, no, that never happened. At least not with me. Um, and it doesn't really work like that. I mean, I don't know. Let me not speak for anyone else. Like it's it's not as neat and clean as as. It may seem at times like it's, it's not like conversations and it, it, people just go in there and vote, right? I knew though, I mean, to the to, to that point, that if we were voting on it, they had the votes. And the reason why I knew that is because the speaker doesn't bring anything to the floor unless she has the votes. Yeah. Uh, so so I figured once we were voting that she had the votes. Um, hour six wasn't going to be enough to 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 block the bill. Um, and, and and the bill passed. Listen, and this is the thing, right? Biff is is not the best bill. It's is is it's regressive when it comes to climate and corporate giveaways, and it's it's. But we were going to support it because we want because of the Build Back Better stuff that was coming with it. That's why both bills should have passed together. So you know, we realize what we're up against in terms of. Special interests, uh, corporate interests, and my colleagues who are, you know, supported heavily by these interests. Um, that's what wields power in Washington, and that's why we need the progressives need both inside and outside organizing strategy to 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 fight against these. Pow- I mean, they're incredibly incredibly powerful, as we know. So you know, Representative Bowman, that's such a great point because. And one of the reasons I was so honestly ecstatic, and I, I never am shy about sharing my perspective, obviously. I was ecstatic that you guys voted no, is because if you had voted yes, then it would have been really hard to get the progressive base to fight for progressive legislators. Because they would say, well, they all just give in to Democratic leadership no matter what, right? And for the first time, maybe in my lifetime, progressives stood up and said, no, no, we're not gonna do it. No matter how much pressure you put on us, and part of what I'm trying to get other folks to understand is how much pressure you guys are under. 
right? Because we we live in a different world and you guys are under a crucible there. So I kind of want to understand the crucible better, which leads to a really important question. So the trust Biden crowd, you just explained there are no promises to what's gonna happen in the Senate. So honestly, who even really cares how the House votes on Build Back Better if the Senate's gonna eviscerate it or not even gonna vote on it? So when you, if anyone asked the people who were saying, "Oh, just trust Biden," what are we trusting him on? Like, aren't we going to lose all leverage? Did they have an answer for that? Uh, no, and I think Senator Manchin's press conference on Monday sort of illustrated that it's not really about Biden. I mean, you know, it's fifty senators who can do whatever they want. They want. You know, and I think Biden, it was either Biden or the White House or someone used the term, it's like 50 presidents over there. And that's kind of true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how, what, what are you going to do with Manchin? How do you deliver Manchin, right? Manchin has a specific focus on very specific areas, right? Like fossil fuel industry, for example, uh, doesn't, you know, wants to be careful with how we raise, uh, you know, uh, additional revenue, right? He, you know, against billionaires taxing, right? So there's, he's against so many things, and so is cinema. Um, that, like, you know, I don't know how the president delivers them. You know, I know I, I would like to think if I were president, I would be able to figure that out. <laughs> but for whatever reason, it hasn't happened yet. So, you know, so we'll see. Um, and I listen. I want to trust the president. But I think it's not just about him, it's about Manchin and, and Manchin's interests and special interests overall. So Jamal, if there's no secret deal and Biden is going to negotiate with Manchin and Cinema later, I can guarantee you there won't be a single progressive provision in there. There'll be universal pre-K if it, the bill even exists, right? Uh, there'll be universal pre-K because corporations want that. Corporate donors are happy to drive people back to work. It's a good provision, but you know, as you're pointing out throughout the interview, you need special interests to okay green light things. Otherwise, it doesn't get in the bill. So, but Representative Khanna on this show a couple of days ago said right before the vote that he thinks Biden and Manchin have a secret deal to get some version of the House bill passed in the Senate. Do you think they have a secret deal? <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> I'm very interested in seeing how this plays out. The other thing about our no votes is now every single day, every single day that someone in my district or anyone across the country turns on a television and they're hearing about Manchin and others who are trying to further gut the bill, it gives us a tremendous amount of credibility with our no vote. So that's every single day people are turning on the TV and they're hearing Manchin's trying to do this, Manchin's trying to do that, et cetera, et cetera. And now it's like, see, I know why, now I know why they voted no. You know, so that, yeah. that's actually a good thing. And, and my hope is, and, and not just in the House, but, but in the Senate as well, but less in the Senate because, you know, we, we in theory don't really have much leverage over them. But my hope is in the House. Now the whole country is looking at those six. And if we don't pass uh, Build Back Better at the current level in the House, it's going to be those six are held accountable for that. And here's the other thing in terms of when we talk about the Senate 
and I've been saying this a lot in, in interviews, if progressives were in the Senate, or if progressives have more power, we would have passed voting rights, we would have passed common sense gun reform, we would have passed immigration reform, we would have passed so many things that have already passed the House, but it's being held up by conservative corporate driven Democrats and the country needs to say that's unacceptable. So that again raises many questions. So let's tackle one that's a giant one. So for example, lowering drug prices, that particular provision in Build Back Better polls at 88%. Nine out of 10 Americans say, yes, we want lower drug prices. You know, and and you explain to them, oh, well, you know, the drug companies say you could lower innovation and et cetera. They're like, no, we still want lower drug prices. So they, they love it, right? So does there come a point where progressive legislators like yourself and the and, and the others, by the way, I should give credit to the others who voted no along with you and voted and kept their promise. AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, and, and Cory Bush. Uh, and and probably the exact six we would have predicted. Uh, so um when is there a moment where you guys come out publicly and go, look, uh, why isn't Manchin in favor of something that nine out of 10 Americans want? Why is he against the voters? Why is he against the voters of West Virginia who overwhelmingly want this? Why is cinema against it? And by the way, why is Joe Biden not insisting on something that nine out of 10 Americans want and something that every Democrat promised in their election? So yes, absolutely, uh, that should happen and that needs to happen because I think we need to be out front in terms of communicating and pushing for the Build Back Better Act to be as strong as possible. So we absolutely have to do that because again, since we voted no, like let's, if we would have voted yes and it would have passed unanimously, there are no more conversations, there are no more, very little questions to be asked. But because we voted the way we did, now we can push Build Back Better and continue to ask critical questions and have critical conversations. And the next question after after we you know go on the offensive and explain these things is you know why or how might we as the American people change this paradigm and change our behavior so that we do not allow this to continue in our government and in our country. We've accepted a certain corporate colonialism as American people. And we don't even realize that we are plugged into the the matrix of corporate colonialism. And as a result of that, our behavior is dictated by that. So we, we we vote and behave against our own interests as the American people contributing to a system of, 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 of evil inequality, <laughs> not since the Gilded Age as we've had this level of inequality. And because we have this level, we are vulnerable to the destruction of our democracy, to fascism and to an insurrection that took place January 6th and it could get worse. Yeah. So that is what's happening right now. And the no vote creates new conversations and begins a paradigm shift from corporate colonialism to what we need as a multiracial, fully functioning democracy that some call democratic socialism or socialism, whatever you want to call it. But it's a system where 
every single person has freedom and self-determination and equality. I call that democracy. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what democracy is supposed to be. But we've lost that. I, I never heard that term before, Jamal, and that's perfect, corporate colonialism. And so I gotta ask one question related to that. My guess is that if you went on, on, on cable news, or even really right now on this show, and you said, hey, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema are part of corporate colonialism. And when they take a million dollars from drug companies as Senator Sinema did, well, that's really a bribe and that's corruption. That you would get enormous blowback in Washington. What? If I'm wrong about that, tell me. No, there's no blowback. We could say that anytime. But or and you can still say it, of course, right? But what I'm curious about is what is the form of the blowback, right? When if you say something that's what they consider too tough about a Democratic colleague in the media, what happens next? I mean, you know, I've been I, I don't I don't get much blowback. I'm pretty good. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I got blowback on the bid vote because I think mostly people didn't understand it. But uh, you know, and I've cursed once or twice when I shouldn't have, and <laughs> I've gotten some some blowback on that. Uh, but overall, you know, not much, you know, in Washington. And for me, you know, I'm riding for the people in my district. So as long as they're with me, it's all good. All right. And then last question, Manchin now uh, says, "Look, um, <laughs> I was playing with you guys, basically. Uh, now I don't want to vote on it until next year, maybe." Uh, and I want three other votes before. That basically means he's burying Build Back Better. And um, isn't that an enormous vindication of your position that if you voted yes on Biff, that you would have lost all leverage in the Senate? And Manchin is basically now confirming the progressives were right, you lost all leverage, and so I'm now going to bury the bill. It, it, it does, but I think it's also worse than that. Because progressives continue to be blamed for sinking the Democratic agenda and blamed for Tuesday's losses, last Tuesday's losses in in the general election. Whereas it would be Manchin literally sinking the president's agenda, the Democratic agenda, if he continues to bury Build Back Better. And there's no way the poor and people of color and marginalized people are going to come out and support us. Um, in the midterms or even for the next presidency if we don't deliver for them this time once and for all. Um, and that and that's that's the bottom line. So it's even worse. And see people like Manchin and others like them, you know, they all hang out in the same circles. You know, so they're very privileged. They're gonna be good. We, all of us here and everyone watching, we're fighting for every single American, every single person in this country. And we're trying to build it from the bottom up. So um, it would be worse. It's not just vindication for us, which is fine. But what's gonna happen when Republicans take control of the House and Senate, and then maybe even the White House? Like this Trump thing isn't going away. Like it's white nationalism is real. And if, if Trump comes back or someone like him, what the hell is going to happen in this country? It sounds like if Manchin and Cinema and perhaps other Democratic senators continue to hold up Build Back Better and voting rights, let alone everything else, 
that there's going to be a clash, a major, major clash before 2022. Because you guys are running out of time and the elections are gonna come. And if you have the elections without voting rights in place and without Build Back Better in place, it sounds like you're saying we're gonna have this battle about colonial capitalism and we're gonna we're gonna tell people why these decisions are actually made. Yeah, we have to continue to keep our constituents informed, enlightened and engaged by being transparent and, and constantly pulling them in. See, in my district, you know, it was held by someone for 31 years. And he represented part of the district, not the entire district. Now, black and brown people and people who are normally disengaged in this district now are leaning in to everything that's happening. So they're becoming aware and they're recognizing their power. And it's happening across the country as well. Workers are demanding more rights. They're demanding more pay, demanding more pay. They're demanding to be treated better. And I think that's a powerful thing. And that's the power of the progressive movement. And I want to continue to push the movement to even get stronger by getting more organized, building more coalitions, because we have to start wielding power in Washington from the outside, like the fossil fuel companies and pharmaceutical companies do. All right, Congressman Jamal Bowman, one of the brave six who voted no in order to get things like paid family leave, lower drug prices, climate change in the Build Back Better bill. Thank you for joining us and honestly, thank you for the vote. Of course, peace and love, good to see you. All right, thank you.